At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino, back for another week of fun, frivolity, absolute stupidity at times, probably. <laughs> uh, first of all, a heartfelt thank you to people who tweeted me, DM'd me, concerned about my health and the 30 days of bacon that I am doing. I am down nine pounds <laughs> in a week. I know it's mostly water weight. I get that, but it's working for me right now, guys. I appreciate the sentiment. I'm a little tired of bacon. I'm trying to find creative ways to get rid of grease. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fine, guys. I'm monitoring other things in my health, but I really just need to get my weight down to a controllable level, and keto and these types of things are my best bet because I get bored by other diets. But I appreciate everybody going, are you crazy? How are you feeling? Uh, do you want to kill anybody yet? Have the headaches started? Because I, I don't get keto headaches. But uh, anyways. You make me say- kind of feel like a bad friend because I, I voiced absolutely none of these concerns. And I was just <laughs> sitting here kind of complacently. You're like, Chris, I'm going to eat just bacon for the next 30 days. This is going to go great. <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, that's great. Cool, Jeff's going to eat bacon. And, and just no concern whatsoever about your health or welfare or well-being. No, um, what what you saw was an opportunity. <laughs> if Hawkins dies, oh, the Shake Finally, Them Ropes Empire. Finally, I can control the, all the, the money, all, all, all the Shake Them Ropes lucre that's out there <laughs> could be mine. I, I sometimes lay on that very bed and, and stare up at the ceiling and go, Someday all this could be mine. Someday this seventy-five cents. <laughs> by the way, we're by the way we're sponsored by Manscaped this week. Use code Ropes for twenty percent off plus uh, free shipping. More on them in a bit, but yes. Yeah, oh, Farrell Hawkins I, might one day let me do the ad reads for Manscaped. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going on vacation in a few. You might get your wish. Uh, <laughs> oh, I could bring Rob McCaird back and rebuild this empty husk of a show that we had. No, finally the McCarran Nova era can begin. (laughs) Rob McCarran will be brought up as a punchline in a moment. Uh, Yeah, going into Friday, I go, okay, we got Hell in a Cell. We got this writer who got fired. Not much going on. Nope. The culling. <laughs> the quickening in NXT. The wrath place of Khan of... continues. Khan! Ra- <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, it the... really is like that. 
depending on who you believe is the bad cop and who's the real decision maker and whatnot. Yes, 205 Live, pretty much the target of the gutting here. I doubt that anybody was paying attention to any of these people on NXT. And also just, I think it was just a spreadsheet and a hand wave. Sure, cut them because they ain't stars. But here's your list for those who are out of the loop. We were told originally 14, 13 came out rather quick, and then the 14th, kind of a, kind of a delayed response. But Arya Davari, Tony Nese, Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Everrise, which I have thoughts on, August Gray, also have thoughts on, the Singh brothers, Arturo Huas, Marina Shafir, a.k.a. Ms. Roddy Strong, a.k.a. Fight of Fight and Play, as Christo so greatly put him. I love that joke. Uh, Kurt Stallion, who I thought was Tyler Rust at first. <laughs> from the Diamond Mine. I like that kind of guy from the Diamond Mine. From the Diamond Mine. No, I know. I saw that, too. I was like, I was like, no, no, no. It's Tyler Rust. August Gray, Tyler Rust, and Kurt Stallion all just sort of blur in my head as one guy. Well, the funny thing is somebody came in. Jeremy Lambert from Fightful came in and saved me. No, no, that's the joke. I was like. No, I wasn't making a joke. I, I literally just just mixed those two guys up. So hands up. I'm sorry. Please bury me. Uh, Killian Dane. How do you not? How are you not able to find something to do with Killian Dane? Really? And uh, yeah, Rob McCarran. Rob McCarran favorite. Tino Sabatelli. Uh, this is good ginger his... ale, so I'm not pouring it out. But I, but but metaphorically, I'm pouring it out for Rob McCarron right now. And sip, sip. Wait, quick, you, quick, do a go, quick plug. Maybe they'll sponsor us because I need ginger ale. I need free product. Oh man, no, no, Fever Tree ginger ale. This this stuff is absolutely amazing. And if they want, if they want to sponsor not a sponsor. me. Not a no, sponsor they, they, yet, but we will go but, to but them. Like, 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 Hawkins, this is made with natural flavors, but it's made with exotic gingers. Not like domestic gingers or even imported from like <laughs> a, a, a rinky-dink like nearby place, right? Like these are exotic. Like where is that from? Distant like, lands. Like what does that mean? They do like two. They do go do, ginger that does cocaine and goes to strip clubs and has wild Friday nights out. You know, I don't know. Could be, it could be Bombay, India. It could be Timbuktu. I, you know, any any a distant kingdom in a faraway place. This is this is the best ginger on earth. Fever tree. Poughkeepsie. Uh, Poughkeepsie. I, it could be Poughkeepsie. And, and if you cover the <laughs> F, they turn into Evertree and Evertree rules. Okay, great, good segue. Yes. Uh, on his second tour of duty after being originally cut in April and then brought back after an AEW dark appearance. Yes. Tino Sabatelli, long time. Shake them ropes. Uh, we, we'd say I say punchline. Rob would say uh, favorite. Much like, much like you, much like you and Slapjack. I would say no, 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 no. I, I, Slapjack had a main roster push in a way that Tino Sabatelli never did. Oh, he had a push. <laughs> yeah, serious push. Yeah, serious. Oh, 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 Chris, you make me laugh. Oh, you make me laugh so hard. Oh, come here, you little He's rascal. A, I'm going to. Mr. Jack is a survivor. Apparently, Slapjack. He's laying was, low. He was to be on SmackDown at some point last night. Cut as his, as his one for the great ones. Much like great talk show hosts or talk show guests some are just cut for time slapjack was cut yeah, for time. this is like the, the bad bit. yeah, yeah it was cut from smackdown for time 
little bit uh, spiky there, but uh, I will get into this. Uh, Tony Nese, to me, <laughs> Tony Nese is the Simpsons joke in the Radioactive Man uh, episode where Bart's going out for Fallout Boy, and, and he, he's, oh, my internet connection is unstable. Look out. Can you hear me still? Okay. Yes, I can. Okay, cool. Okay, it, it, It's the Radioactive Man episode where, where Bart goes out for Fallout Boy, and they make him do the line again, and he's getting excited, does the line again, and goes, we found our new Fallout Boy. And that's what I'd be saying if you were exactly one inch taller. <laughs> Tony Nese has the body of an Adonis. Saying that as a purely, purely securing himself hetero man. Uh, he is no, a good looking like, guy when he was especially when he was like at like peak conditioning because the amount of work that it takes to be at that level of conditioning that guy, like yeah he, no no nice like really put in the work circa like 2015 2014 I, it's hard to just sustain at that level but i mean dude uh if he was six foot i i don't understand why he wouldn't be you know pushed to the moon um but he'd Vince be world just, champion if he was six yep, foot three but he's not. Be six foot three yeah exactly and look, went through various character iterations, had a great moment at the WrestleMania in New York where he got to win the Cruiserweight Championship, had some great matches with Adrian Neville slash Neville slash King of the Cruiserweights. Uh, had a fun dynamic with Drew Gulak going. Too. Had a fun dynamic with Drew Gulak. Had a kind of fun dynamic with Enzo when he was central to that 205. <laughs> Those of you who forget this. But yeah. he was left. He was left there to basically carry a dead brand. The two hundred five live brand. Now, if unless they're going to do what I think they might do, and I think they're what they're going to do is they're going to take matches from main event and NXT. And this is why you're seeing guys like Kyle O'Reilly go into the cruiserweight division. It's going to be a kind of a clip show for two hundred five guys. I don't think it's going to be a live show. I think it's going to be two hundred five. Eh, sort of live. Maybe a match. Maybe they get uh, who's who's the uh, kid with the jacket again? Oh, uh, and I just read his name a while ago. But you get the kid in the jacket. Yes, uh, Japanese kid in the jacket. Him. Maybe Jake Atlas goes there for a match. But it looks like they finally gave him something to do on NXT this week. Thank goodness. But yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> Tony Nese did everything you'd ever want a guy to do uh, on a show. And uh, he gone. Now. He, he's not. He's not a great promo. I mean, look, look. I, no. I, I will. I will say manager. This. He needs a manager. He, he, he's, he's a, a guy, guy who needs a manager. Needs a manager. Yep. Um. And I. I felt like in in terms of his match booking, sometimes, um, uh, it was a lot like Brian Cage, Mister Get Your Shit In. Um, like a smaller version of Mister Get Your Shit. A little bit. In. Um, a yeah, little bit. And, and that niece niece's psychology, um, and stuff left something to be desired because he was too busy trying to get from spot to spot to spot. Arya Davari again, a guy. I think they just rehired his brother too, <laughs> for uh, to be a, an agent. But there forever, changed his gimmick a few times. Did the stupid evil foreigner thing. Did it well, in, in, I thought. In Saudi Arabia, where it was particularly in Saudi stupid, Arabia. Oh yeah, received that's right. death threats for it. Death yes. threats, Jeff. Received death threats for. The, thank you, Chris. I had forgotten all about that. Received death threats for this company. Nah. That's not a guy that we're going to take care of for a while. Although you can't be sentimental about these things. This is a business and 
and string tightening and all that other crap. I don't, I don't think it's even necessarily like you, you don't have to be sentimental to go like, look, um, it's good business when a company makes a mistake like this to show to future employees and future hires that you, you don't one that you're trying not to make these sorts of mistakes. And two, uh, that when you do make these sorts of mistakes, you try to do something to get right on them. Yeah. Uh, I think both will end up like in a ring of honor or an impact. They'll be fine. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Especially Fandango and Fandango and Tyler Breeze. I'm kind of here for a repackaging of those two as a real tag team who can do real things as opposed to being comedy dress up cosplayers. Uh, especially old Mike Dalton slash Tyler Breeze. He has a school in Florida. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Fandango, who knows? But uh, they they volunteered to go back down to NXT. They're clearly interested th- in still wrestling, so I think that makes the likelihood that you see them in uh, AEW or something at some point fairly probably high. a ca- probably a cash consideration. I could see them on a dark match against like Private Party. I could. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably a cash consideration. They I think they were probably still on their main roster contracts in NXT in some way. I don't know. I don't know that for a fact. I could always ask. But uh, I think both are uber, uber talented and have never really been able to show either. Like Fandango, as a comedy guy in promos and stuff, very, very good. Very, very good timing. Tyler Breeze, less so, but still pretty good. I mean, the... I'll tell you what, if you get that... Da, 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 da. Like you can't own the music, obviously, but if you get the crowds chanting it again, it's something that WWE can't fight back on. So it's actually a fun way of kind of throwing a stone across the wall, too. Europe loved that. That's what I remember. I remember I, no, really dug Fandango. My God, I, I remember those subway videos of like just like people like in subways and stuff singing that ridiculous song. I uh, think that they just completely latched onto it. Uh, I. No, there's some money there for uh, Johnny Curtis, and I, yeah, Tyler Breeze is a great wrestler too. Um, and I think both of them are still they got some they got some earning potential still to explore. The Singh brothers, two guys who died for Randy Orton's sins, who got Jinder Mahal over. <laughs> they got Jinder Mahal over. Like, like don't if you want to tell me these guys aren't talented, that's literally the first place I go. I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for the Singh brothers. I really do. No, they're I awesome. Think they, I think they're really good. They, they killed themselves uh, during their main roster run, and God bless them for if if Randy didn't reach out and at least say thank you or give maybe four or five figures to each on the way out, I'd be very I'd be a little disappointed. I'd be honest with you. Um. But they were also stuck in the 205 Live track where they weren't going. They were solid on that show. Like, the feud with Everrise was pretty damn good, I thought. But that 205 Live brand is there for content and maybe overseas television to sell some commercials and stuff. But it is just there. It is It is a nothing brand now. Any heat that this division had is long gone after the Cruiserweight Classic from five years ago. And... WWE has shown no interest in making small guys relevant. So you have to keep that in mind when you sign the contract. You might be different, but you're probably not going to be. Anyways, uh, anything else on the Singh Brothers before I move on? No. Arturo Huas and Marina Shafir both featured in Raw Underground. Arturo Huas, <laughs> I thought I I I love this guy i i did i think he he brings legitimacy much like matt riddle could 
I thought Marina Shafir was vastly improved from from when she started training because she actually had skills as an MMA person. Uh, she is Ms. Roddy Strong. I don't think she's got, I think she was just there until the contract was not going to be renewed personally anyways, because it didn't look like they wanted to do anything even after Jessamine Duke was canned. And after they Ronda really left, lost interest in the uh, Ronda Rousey horsewomen sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. That, yes. Like, and once, once Ronda left, it's like, eh. Yeah, right. Um, I, I mean, you you might, you know, another way to go is push Dana, push Marina. You could have pushed them as a triumvirate and it would have been just fine. But like they just never wanted to do that. You know, it could be Marina fighting with a doll on Raw. <clears throat> why not? Uh, <laughs> why not? You know, why not Marina Shafir fighting with a doll? Kurt Stallion brought over from Evolve. Oh, real quickly, after- though, who is? Oh, I, can we talk about who is for a second? I, sure, I mean, I ahead. think that this guy has been, like, really criminally misused. You brought up Matt Riddle. He was actually in one of Matt Riddle's early enhancement matches, and Arturo Huros had, like, an actually good Matt Riddle match with Matt Riddle um, early on uh, in Riddle's run here. Um, Huos is a guy who, like, all the Brazilian, like, uh, jiu-jitsu and all that stuff just, like, looks really good, and I think... He's a guy that Impact, AEW, Ring of Honor ought to be looking at because I bet you his contract is not going to be through the roof. But he's a guy who probably can over-deliver at, at whatever level you want him to. I'm not saying he's a future world champion, but like, who is? Could you have him as a stable fixture as your mid-card champion? Absolutely. Uh, especially with a manager. Um, because the guy has a really cool in-ring style that meshes well with anything from a light heavyweight fighter to a more heavyweight fighter where he has to use his skills to kind of break down the bigger, more powerful guy. Um, who is, I, I just think is, I, I get why WWE isn't interested in a guy like who is, but I hope that the industry um, is reaching out to him because I think he's got a lot to offer. Reteam him with Cesar Bern- Bononi. That's 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 my thought because that's a yeah, pretty good yeah. tag team, big guy, work workhorse, different style type thing. They could get over, I think. Absolutely. Kurt Stallion, I think, out kicked his coverage here. I, I really do. Uh, he's not going to be the WWE guy. He's a little older. Thought he, thought he was doing well with what he brought. And they um, seem to like him on some level. Yeah. Like, like I, I yeah. think the thing that's like head scratchery about these cuts is some of these people are being utilized on some level right now. Like, Everrise was on TV. Kurt Stallion had been a fixture on 205 Live and, like, in the mix for the Cruiserweight title. Like, whatever the hell that means. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, like August Gray uh, w- has been used. Um, like, like, these are not people who... Fandango, Brizongo, they just beat Imperium, uh, like, a week ago. And they had, like, Ever- that little... Everrise just put over Hit Row on your yeah. TV and almost got crippled doing it. But yeah, my, my thought is they don't know who these guys are. They're just they're just names on a spreadsheet. Hand wave, didn't watch the TV. Not going to not going to be huge stars. They can be gone. That that's that's what I'm thinking. I, th- I, Here, I think I think here's the problem though, Jeff. Like we we talk all the time about like the disconnect uh between the business and the art here. And yes. imagine from the perspective of a fan. Like not quite at the it's still real to me, damn it type of fan. But, like, let's say the young teenager who has their teenage life largely structured around the watching and consumption of wrestling. And while it's not 
real to them. It's also not entirely fake to them either. Like it sits, it sits in a spectrum. All of a sudden, you are just seeing people just gone. And, and business is coming in in a way and just cutting away the veneers and the stuff that allows you to lose yourself a little bit in the plot line. Where is Everrise? Uh, I mean, when Paul Heyman brings up Daniel Bryan this week uh, on the microphone, it's like, where is Daniel Bryan? Is he gone? Uh, like, that stuff for the young teenager is really jarring and and makes you want to put aside childish things and like move on to more real gritty stuff which is the the, you know the thing that we do when we get into our mid-teens and our late teens We, we we're trying to look for the real again um wwe is killing their teenage business and it's a quiet way of doing it but i i don't think it's an accident that you slowly see the age demo for both AEW and WWE creep above the 50 year old line to like 55 year old and 48 year old. Um, if you're not creating a universe that a teenager can like live in, um, and sort of like enjoy, uh, well, no, uh, they, you know, why, why do they yeah, stay on? And, and we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about Kenise Mobley and her story. But the, the, the thing is, that's why they, they always put on their job, I think we want people who are ingrained in pop culture because they think pop cultural references are going to keep them relevant. I'm here to tell you that there's more to it than just referencing what happened on your TV last night in a raw story or whatever. There's more to being relevant and cool than that. But we'll, we may get into that when, when I talk a little writing here, because I'm, I'm going to sure. be deep into my writer nerddom when I talk about her. Tino Sabatelli is uh, L.A. Knight without as much talent as L.A. Knight. I'm going to say that. Million-dollar body, million-dollar look, million-dollar gimmick if you watch that Proving Ground where he he got overpaid in the NFL, was not the best defensive back in the world. Let's put it that way. He was not a pro-level defensive back, in my opinion, but drove a Maserati, You know, had the designer suits, was a real-life gimmick. Looked great. I thought the Riddick Moss team was pretty good because it covered up a lot of Tino's faults in the ring, but he could cut a promo. He was pretty good on cutting a promo, I thought. And I think he probably should have been the choice for this million-dollar champion, to be honest with you, if you were going to ever push Tino Sabatelli. But no one's going to miss Tino Sabatelli, I don't think, in terms of the thing. And he, I think... He's a guy who saw wrestling as I can't play football anymore. I can make money in this. He's going to go make money somewhere else. He trust me with his looks. Someone's going to hire him for something. It, even just if he's, he's just a looking. personal trainer, even if he's just a personal oh, I don't trainer, even mean he athletic. Make. He's the kind of guy that walks into like Goldman Sachs with the nice suit and stuff. And they go, this guy could be a stockbroker. Let's teach him how to be a stockbroker. You know, that kind of thing. You know, yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll, no. be, he'll be in some kind of business. He will be insanely wealthy in some way still, and he will be fine. Much of life, he, perhaps too much of life, is central is casting. Looks, is looks. Yep. Is central casting. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. It so is. Uh, now for the guys I want to kind of expound a little bit more on. Killian Dane. How do you not, again, how do you not find something to do with Killian Dane? How can he not just be the brawler? The guy who bring the plunder, <laughs> he He's is that guy on this roster. Looking. 
No, like, like in he's too hairy, life, he, he's too hairy. hairy. He's hairy. He's weird looking. He's going bald. Like, this is where Vince's brain goes on this. Whereas someone like me looks at all of those attributes and goes, no, that's like, that's a character actor, bro. Like, like, like this is, this is you. He's Brian Dennehy. He is the Brian Dennehy. You, you find a character. Roster. Yeah. You find a character for that guy to inhabit. And like, like yes. a, a Mick Foley mankind type of characters, you know, rough and tumble. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, and they you know sort of had is? that, yeah. He, he's he is really if you want to put if you want to cast him in the role he should be in. Oh, about every six to eight months or so in a territory, Abdul the Butcher would appear. Now Abdul the Butcher, not a great wrestler. Abdul the Butcher, great presence, great brawler, great bleeder, great stab you in the head with a forker, but great wrestler, no. He should but be nice the guy that point. like it was always fun when they would find a way to work yes. in Abdullah. Yeah, he's the mercenary that somebody brings in to take out Jimmy Valiant or the Von Erics or whatever. That is Killian Dane to me. And I loved I, Killian Dane in Sanity was fantastic. I thought I, I, I really thought he brought a lot when he replaced uh, Sawyer Fulton because he, he was not originally in Sanity. But I thought once he got into Sanity, I thought he was fine there. I thought that unit was pretty damn good. <laughs> now the last person standing is dressing as a butterfly on Raw. Yay. Uh, <laughs> it's a manifestation about how her soul feels on the inside. It's relatable. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> I love you. may go into that. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't try and add depth to things that have no depth, Chris. How dare you? Uh, August Gray. Okay, I like August Gray. It's obvious he is one of his co-workers' favorite people. Just reading, like, Champa and everybody else coming out there. He is also a guy, when I saw him in Evolve, I go, there is no way in hell WWE is ever going to want this guy. If you look at he he has the throwback gimmick as Anthony Green. He's wearing the neon, the Oakley blades, the fanny pack. He's doing a lot of what... I think I'm not going to accuse Zicky Dice of ripping off Anthony Green. No, because might. like the Zoom, the Zumba's thing is not like an original thought. Right. Like whenever you're right. doing it's a not... period retro specific yes. thing, it's like yes. you know you can't really own that. But I looked at August Gray and I thought, and here's 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 a throwback name that you might know. I don't know if you do though. George South from yeah, Crockett, yeah, the Jobber. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, what I, yeah, I always yeah. I always viewed him sure, as, man, sure. I would make this guy George South. The, the guy who could get the occasional offense in, but just make a guy look like a million bucks. Yeah, and commentary always treated George South like with some degree of seriousness, too. Like, it's not a yeah, bad had, role to be in. Yeah, he had one match on TV against Flair for the title where he got a lot of offense in. And then after that, he was basically made, even though he was just – he got – he was that – Tier one, he was like Pez Watley on the heel side. He was kind of a heel, you know, the heel, the gatekeeping heel that would never get a win, but he'd never take the loss necessarily if he was in a tag team type of thing. Uh, I think he's going to, I think, I think August Gray is going to end up somewhere, but he's going to be like in a dark or an, N, an NWA. I think he'd be pretty good there. Maybe a ring of honor type thing, but I, I, no. The, the tricky thing for these guys is that there have now been three waves of cuts in like three yes. months and yes. it, it just it's really flooded the market so like 
what I was thinking about, you and I are kind of like businessy sort of nerds and stocky nerds and this sort of thing, is you had like this thing where WWE was buying up everything and like holding all the assets. And what I believe and many believe Nick Khan is sort of spearheading here, um, it's not necessarily his plan, but what he is creating is a scenario wherein you have a, a giant flood of the labor market all at once. And essentially all of these wrestlers negotiating power goes down drastically because it's a very broad pool and WWE's not hiring them back. So it's uh, AEW, uh, maybe New Japan, maybe NWA, maybe Impact, maybe Ring of Honor. Um, or maybe mm-hmm. you go to like AAA. Um, but like, like those are sort of your options. And AEW is the one, like if you're in Florida or you're Florida-based, that's the one you want. There's only so many slots there. The good news is, is that AEW is adding more television on. They do need to build out their roster a little bit. But there's not going to be lifeboats for everybody. They already are overstocked and over, over, right. o- over in a- AEW. They got, they got more guys than they know what to do with. And they're not writing stories for a lot of them. No, no. And like, that's the unfortunate part here is that like, there are, I think, going to be a number of performers that you like, I like other people who listen to the show, like not even all the same ones, people who still have some quality, you know, tread left on their tires, who I think are going to be having a hard time getting those tires back on the road for the next 18 to 24 months. And now, Chris, the main event ever rise. Ever rise does indeed rule. Ever rise are my, my ginger ale. Ever rise are fantastic. Ever rise are everything that WWE wants in a non-main event type of act. They they are comedy. They are darn good wrestlers. They are good kind of wrestling comedy. They are actually funny. They are actually engaging. They are creative. They do projects on their own. Yeah, they, they're the self-starters. These are brass yes. ring grabbers, right? Like, yes. Like they, these are quintessential brass ring guys. Um, and I think, I mean, this is what's so maddening. You know, going back to the brass ring interview of, I guess now seven or eight years ago, it was a total load of shit. And ever rises the umpteenth story that proves yet again. No, it doesn't. If anything, if you kind of try to stand out, you mark yourself. Um, that you, you now put a little flag on yourself. That's like, okay, maybe we'll we'll let this go for now. But there's a thing we kind of don't like that you're doing here. We don't like that you're trying to overstep your lane. There are at least two main roster acts who requested ever rise to be part of angles and things, which they're held in high regard. Probably guess the two acts if you. I'm, I'm guessing it. it's got to be at least Owens and probably Zayn. That's very good, Chris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, but, but not for nothing. Ever rise as Zayn. I was en- trying. I was trying to be vague. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, but like ever rise as Zayn's henchman would have been awesome. Like, yes. like we we really got yes. denied. Yeah, like as the camera as the camera guys, as the documentarians as the, who could yes. take some bumps and maybe do some interplay. They would have Mar- been Martel awesome. as the camera guy and, and Chase Parker as the microphone guy. Like having them like as their designated tag team roles, camera and microphone. Um, like no, that would have been great. If you've ever watched their morning show that was on the WWE social network, it is just fantastic improv. They never lose 
they're always heightening each other's bits, which as an improviser, I, I love. And they're never saying no about where they go with it. Even if it goes into weird spots, they just go with it. And, you know, if it, if it gets uncomfortable, drink the cup of coffee, which makes yeah. it funny. The uncomfortable side. They are, they're fantastic. I wanted them with Bivens. You know I wanted them with Bivens because I think that would have been gold. I don't think Bivens with the Diamond Mind is going to be as lucrative. Let's put because the Diamond Mind is a serious type of faction. They kind of need a guy with a little bit of goofiness in him, I think, as a manager. But, you know, they're... I hope they're going to be okay. I, I want them to be okay. I uh, the love Diamond those Mind guys. Presentation, the, oh, they, you're talking about the Diamond Mind. Oh, no, Everrise. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about Everrise right now. But. I think they will find their way. I mean, look... um. If we're talking, you know, NWA power, if Everrise is on NWA power, they completely like pop out of the screen. Um, Dude, they, they, if they be... get if they get some mic time with Joe Galley in any yeah. way, oh yeah, no, no, that, that's, that that NWA set is like absolute magic for like if they had a feud with August Gray um, or whatever his name is going to be now. Um, uh, if they had a few with him and a tag team partner. Like that would be Anthony, a great... Anthony green, Anthony, green Anthony green. Yeah. No, if that. they feud with Anthony green and whoever else, like that's a great feud. NWA would be stupid not to book that one. Um, I think obviously again, we, would I like to see him on AEW? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I, but like, you know, everyone can't go to AEW. So yeah. I'm not gonna much, my much like Jack rate. Evans, much like Jack Evans who needs, some mic time in AEW and is not getting nearly enough. I just, I think Jack they Evans go in, with ever rise would be really fun though. And Je Oh and my Helico God. And, uh, yeah. Jack yeah, Evans like, and Helico and ever rise in vignettes against each other would be magic would be as uh, Jeff would be in hog. Look, tonight's AEW is going to be great for me because Tully Blanchard is on there with Conan, who I don't think, very highly on I, I, yeah I, I don't I'm have there a lot of, for, I, I watched but, a lot of Conan but back if, in the day. if you asked me that there there are certain teams if, if Everrise goes to Ring of Honor and feuds with the Briscoes I'm all about that too because because those vignettes because you know Jay Briscoe's gonna say something probably just hair step it, over the line it, it might be too much of um it might be too different because it's like Ever rises, yeah, yeah. Ever rises, whole shtick. Like I, the thing that makes the Briscoes work is it's like so brutally intense. Like the best Briscoes mm -hmm. promos are just like he is just like in the camera. You um, think and he's like, gonna kill you? He's gonna kill somebody at this yeah, match. Next and, and, and yeah, and Ever rise, like look, look. Uh, what makes them great is that you. They they act like they're bad guys, but you kind of get the sense that they're not actually like really bad guys. So that's like that's they're what knuckleheads. Makes them... They're knuckleheads yes, right, who want to be right. bad. They're the they're the yeah. B villains in comic books who have like a gimmick. They're like uh, Captain Cold in the Flash or Electro in Spider Man or something. Like I'm a but, guy. But who they could be like busy trying to be bad, and then like see like an old lady trying to cross the crosswalk and like go over there. And go, oh, you gotta go help the old lady. I'm like, but we're robbing a bank. <laughs> yeah, I know, but she's having a hard time getting across the street right now. They're, they're, they're the villain that would get caught helping the yeah. woman go across the street. It's like, well, and now Spider-Man's like thinking, well, do I really want to take him? Well, okay, I'll, I'll take him to jail, but I'll tell the officer to let him go. And that's how they come back in like 15 issues a year and three months later being knuckleheads again. You know, I'm, I'm all, I love the knuckleheads. Yeah, no, no, I'm but, but I, I just think, I think that the, that disparity with the Briscoes might be just a little, like, I, I think the Briscoes do well and whatever rise does well, maybe is a okay. little bit oil and water.
then I will take Evans and and Helico. In, yeah, yeah. In, in but no, I, I look. I think I think Everise has a, like a lot of burn left, and I very I want to see more Everise, please. Yes, yes. And if you don't like Everise, you're wrong. I want to thank our sponsors right now. Support for Shake Them Ropes brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you, the consumer, the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code ROPES at manscaped.com. I used my Manscaped uh, lawnmower 3.0 last night. Got some pandemic growth. <laughs> it's spreading too much information. But, you know, and, uh, you know I'm, I'm already a hairy guy. So anything that will help me in these things, and I can use it in the shower, which is great. It's great dry or wet, which helps me. Uh, immensely, immensely. Oh, you're you're getting coffee. I thought you were getting product. Okay, but anyways, the trimmer comes with an LED light for a more precise shave and is waterproof, as I said, to make your shower shave, which is where I do most of my shaving of both face and head and other nether regions in the shower, clean and easy. And hey, you don't want to use the same trimmer you use on your face as your balls because that's just gross. That's staph infection, staph infections. But hey, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put it in the smelliest part of your body? The part where you're sitting and getting duck butter because yes, yes, you, Chris, your balls stink. But speaking of sweaty and sticky balls, I had to do a quick look there to see how you reacted to that. I am thankful for the crop provider of this product, along with the crop preserver. <laughs> Keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And hey, Manscaped threw in two free gifts into their perfect package. A pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that let the boys breathe a little bit and keep your junk feeling fresh all day. And a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies which I believe is leather, and it's very, very nice. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, at manscaped.com, and your balls will thank you. Once again, 20% off and free shipping with the code ROPES at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped, and we thank them for their sponsorship of Shake Them Ropes, which we almost called Shave Your Balls, but that would have been... We had it. We, it was a real serious and vigorous back and forth. Uh, <laughs> when Chris in the, came on, he said, we I, need to rebrand this. No, I, I want a new name. I don't want to be stuck with Rob McCarran legacy items. I want I want to start fresh. Uh, let me just so, say real quickly, so, Ever-Rise uh, rules. Ever-Rise. <laughs> oh, I miss them. Uh, and now a uh, vanity topic that I would like to talk about. WWE prospective writer, Kenise Mobley, I believe that's how you say her name, K-E-N-I-C-E, did a podcast talking about being hired as a writer and not knowing who any of the wrestlers were. She mangled a few names, and she got some of the talent upset. She got a lot of fans upset, and she was summarily fired. She did not. I don't believe she did a single day on the job. 
Maybe she did. I think she was hired something like June 6th, so maybe she'd already started. And she was doing the interview the day of June 6th. So, like, it was she had gotten hired, and the interview that she did was taped, like, the day of or, like, the day after, which I do think matters. There's a lot of people who are wrong in this, and I'll tell you why. And, Chris, you can push back at any time on anything I'm about to say. Number one, when you are employed by World Wrestling Entertainment, Inc. or Corporation, and you sign your employment contract, there is a non-disclosure agreement in there. You do not have clearance from the company once you have agreed to take the job and you have signed on to talk out of school without the permission of the company. Is this fair? Probably not. But, but it's also in the contract. And, like, I, I mean, I, I'm glad you started as, there because, for me, like, there are other things that are worth exploring here, but like the reality is once you sign a contract that has a non-disclosure agreement and like, this is not unique to WWE. They have, they have certain business practices that we talk about at length here that are kind of unique to them or things that like are maybe like weird and kind of uncouth or whatever. But like I have worked for a number of companies that have a non-disclosure agreement and it would be very weird for me to like when I got hired at the closed captioning company, have gotten that job and immediately turned around and done a big podcast to talk about how the name of that closed captioning company and how they did things inside the office. And did you know all this about how closed captioning works? That would get you into trouble. Um, and so that I think is the terra firma. And, and if that was the catalyst for firing her, I think, you know, that's cut and dry. That's a very sort of open and closed issue for me. Yes. And I believe this was the catalyst, quite frankly, even though, a lot of people are trying to make other excuses here. Now, WWE, as long as I know, when I was in their orbit, had non-disclosure agreements. I had to sign waivers for them to read my stuff because that's liability on them if they steal an idea also. So there, there so are then, all these kinds so of... So then let's, Every, let's have the rest on. of this discussion... Oh, I'm sorry, just real quickly. Let's have the rest okay. of this discussion in the context of if there is not a non-disclosure agreement then. Um, cause like if there, I think you and I are both in agreement here that if there is, then this is like, that's done. Like, like, this yeah, is very I'm, 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 I'm giving the history of non-disclosure agreements here with it. Cause WWE has had these for 20 years now, at least, at least 20 years where you don't talk out of school. There was a time in WWE. And if you go to writers who were working around the time when I was still hopeful for a career, if you want, want to go that way. They would, there were stories of WWE asking to check your phone to see who you've been texting, who you've been calling, what websites you've been visiting and stuff. I'm pretty sure if you log into the internet at Titan Towers, they are tracking <laughs> your emails and who you're talking to, even though it might not be as secure. Although, if you're a senior official in WWE, might be some leeway there, but I don't think they're checking phones anymore. They might put in, they might give you an app. When you go in, I, I remember thinking this. I thought there was an app at one point where that's WWE corporate so that you have corporate communications and stuff, but they also monitor your phone activity. Uh, if you get hired for WWE, number one, get a burner phone <laughs> that you just use for business, kids. Uh, yeah, you don't talk to social media. If I ever got a gig with the company, which you know, we'll laugh at if that ever happens, but if, if that ever happened, you would not see me on Twitter. You would not hear from me on any message board or any podcast ever again because I have to abide by that. When every set I was on, 
from either as a writer or as an actor, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. I had to say, I will not spoil what we're doing on this television show before it airs. And, and you know what? I mean, it, it, while we're on this subject, uh, like, look, um, that has been the backdrop of a large part of my tenure here on Voices of Wrestling. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I just had to like sort of quietly tolerate it. It's like, what the hell does Novan Brito know about wrestling? He doesn't watch as much wrestling as a lot of people. There are a lot of people in the commentary who watch a lot more wrestling than me. Um, part of what makes my perspective unique is one, I do watch a fair amount of wrestling. Let's keep it real here. Um, but two, I also was captioning WWE all throughout the Yes Movement and all throughout the rise of 205 Live, the Enzo Amore issue, era that we were talking about earlier. I'm now like four or five years out, so I'm well, well clear of the non-disclosure agreement. There is all this stuff extemporaneously that was going on that like I knew I could have hopped on a microphone and gotten clicks and engagement and probably built out the Nove brand so that I'm not the best kept secret on Voices of production Wrestling. Production stuff. Production yeah. stuff. Oh, really and, 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 and myriad production stuff. Every, I mean, when we were talking about the network, there are there is scoop after scoop after scoop that I just had to sit on. And, and people go, what the F does Novembrino know? And, and I would just have to not say it because I can't even type it to people in, in DMs because that's violating the non-disclosure agreement. That's just part of being an adult. I, I was in my 20s, but like, you know, being an adult in the business world and having a job that you like, that you value, that has a non-disclosure agreement. You just have to abide by that stuff. And sometimes it can be a little bit of agony, um, more than a little bit of agony, because like there are things that you'd like to hop on the mic. Like, right, here comes the WrestleMania preview. Um, I have not this year, but back then I had all these different scoops. Like I knew a lot of stuff going on Rumble Mania, like you name it, especially the Cruiserweight Classic and stuff. I was doing all these shows before they'd even hit air. Um, before anyone else would see them, I'd be putting the captions on them first. But I would never go on the microphone on any of these shows and talk about any of that stuff. Why? Because I like that job. And two, my hope, um, an errant one apparently, is that you know you can stand on your own two legs and build your own brand without having to violate non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, I want to go through three different narratives too quickly <laughs> too quickly <laughs> one one a little bit expound upon actually two i'm going to expound upon one less so that, that that are just incorrect that are out there right now that when when this news broke first of all racism sexism plenty of that to be had probably in the wwe not the not reason probably like, yeah well documented but i i just i don't that's not the driver here, right? Like the driver no. here is clearly the the interview, and like I mean, if anything, let's think about this higher. Actually, you know what the driver is? Is the fact that this got known? Yes, that, also true. Probably a, this is probably I, I I didn't I haven't looked at the numbers of this podcast she was on, but the fact that this got into the zeitgeist is what really yes. propelled. And then there's a little bit of firing. cancel cult. There's a little cancel culture going on here too, right? Like, like if, if we want to call it that way, but like, let's, let's just stay on, on the higher, right? I, I, I don't want to call it cancel culture per se, but maybe a little uh, jealousy look, when, there. When, when you, when you got the mob coming for your job, when the mob yes. comes for the job, that's cancel in my book. We, we will get it. We will get into that in a second. Uh, yeah, the yeah, reason yeah, the that, mob that, came that, is what I want to expound upon. 
But, but 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 hold on real quickly on the racism sexism. Why don't I think that's at play here? Um, I mean, if anything, the thing that she's in hot water for is that she like knew nothing about the thing that she's coming in to write on. So they 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 hired her specifically to provide an outside perspective. Um, like yes. to provide yeah outside of the norm. Don't, don't steal my thunder on this. Don't steal my thunder on this because there's a lot I'm going to go into this about writing and writers about that. Uh, but also you never know who's listening to a podcast. So this is why I don't, I don't insult the talent. I insult the choices that they, that, that they make for the talent generally, uh, except for Slapjack because, you know, and Joseph no, Connor. No, stop, you stop, you stop, you stop, you stop. He survived. <laughs> uh, number two narrative I want to get into is, uh, the, the reported anger of talent, uh, about her lack of knowledge about the project and how it was, quote, disrespectful. Now, I'm not going to get into the writing part of this just yet. That's my point number three. But there is a long, long history of wrestling as an industry having this victim complex, so to speak. There are two complexes that have been prevalent in wrestling that I know of. It's only for the boys slash women and if you haven't trained, you don't really know anything about the industry. And we don't like outsiders here. We're going to give limp handshakes to each other and all that other crap. While at the same time, whining about how you don't get the same respect as other actors and performers. And, hey, we're celebrities, too. And all these uh, settle your tea kettle that she didn't know your name and that she didn't watch wrestling. OK, one and a half million people watch wrestling every week. It's not a major phenomenon. It's usually frowned upon in most most uh, polite yeah, no, conversation. The, the, the fact that she knew that the champion's name was Bobby Ashley is actually much closer than 90% of Americans when asked who is the current WWE yes. champion. They yeah, might she was at least say close. The Rock. And she, and she knew the Hurt Business, and she knew other things. It's not like, it's not like she was ignorant. But this brings me into a nice segue into number three. And, and this, is, this is where I go into mad defense of television writers where other people complain and complain. Oh, they don't know the product or uh, oh, they're using TV writers instead of just doing off the cuff interviews all the time. I think TV writers can be a positive. I don't say they are a positive. I say they can be because, look, you're going to get knuckleheads in this industry who just want to write bad sketch comedy and not good wrestling. I get that. I understand that. But, 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 um, as he goes up. But! <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little secret about uh, writing. In, uh, number one, writers not held in the highest regard in television. Uh, I think the uh, I think the cast system goes talent slash director uh, 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 the the crew catering uh, interns then maybe the writers <laughs> you know oh producers are up are up underneath uh, cast and talent and 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 above crew but writers writers are generally seen as the most disposable form of uh, the entertainment complex any of you have ever seen the 1992 classic the player i think it's 1992 it might be 19 a little later but nevertheless there's there's a there's a whole running joke about producers going hey can we make this movie somehow without the writers somehow that is what it is if a writer if a talent and a writer goes into vince's office and one of them has to take the bullet i got news for you talent ain't taking a bullet necessarily for the writer 
Okay, writers <laughs> get buried. They are they are disposable, usually as seen by such. Um, but I'm gonna give you another secret. When I was looking for writing jobs back when I was young and go get them and <laughs> dreams and hopes, I had to write things called specs. This is you were talking for, about. Yes, me. Oh. Yeah, I was at one time optimistic. Uh, it's hard, <laughs> hard to imagine. Scripts, speculative scripts, which is what I learned to write. I went to NYU after I graduated from the University of Virginia. Humble brag. But uh, but it's where I learned how to write television went sitcoms. To college. I went to college. Uh, but you learn how to write these things, and then you go out and you write a few scripts, and you submit them as writing samples, and you try to get representation, hopefully get staffed on a show somewhere as a junior writer or as a writer's assistant, whatever, to learn more about the craft. You never wrote a show, at least in my day. It's changed a little bit now, but you never wrote a show that you wanted to work for. You, ne you never did that as a writing sample because the people who would be reading your scripts know those characters, know, have the character Bible available. They are... They are hyper-focused on the show. And if you don't write the show properly, they're not going to hire you. So you write a show that's very similar to that. Like the big hot show, the big hot show uh, spec when I was writing was, of course, Friends for some reason. Everybody had a Friends spec, except me, because I'm an idiot, because I didn't like Friends. So I didn't want to write stuff that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that I just... Uh, that I just didn't like, but you know, I had, I had a news radio, I had a Simpsons that was dark. So I, I'm one of the few people who ever specced Arliss, the HBO show with Robert Wool on it. You know, I, I was trying to get different kinds of shows. You spec the kind of show you want to work for. You don't spec the show you want to work for. So when people say, and I got news for you on new shows, writers don't know the characters yet. When they're brought in, they're building those characters from scratch. It's not like it's not like the characters, the writers of Breaking Bad knew which way they were going to go. By the way, on that Friends thing, everybody had a Friends spec and every network tried to make it a Friends show. And half of them had Lindsay Price, who was just look her up. You'll recognize her. She was just on every bad Friends kind of knockoff that every, every network tried to do. So that's gotta Jurassic. be rough that's gotta be rough for a talent though like to to be yeah. viewed as enough of a talent like that this person could definitely be the front of this this product if we were able to get it going and then be attached to enough demos that don't make it that all of a sudden your brand becomes the the talent that we put in <laughs> and the thing that doesn't make it when initially the reason you were there in the first place is because you were that oh yeah, no, no, no. Lin Lin Lindsay Price was like that. She has a trail of dead shows behind her. Simon Baker was like that before he got the Mentalist. They put him in everything. He just, shows would just die after three episodes. But he's good looking and Australian. We need to put him in something. You know, there are those. Uh, Alex O'Coughlin, who was on Hawaii Five O reboot, was like that too. And they stuck him on the Shield for a year, and then they finally gave him Hawaii Five O. He's got to be made as strong stuff. Make it in these in this industry. Yes. You really because it really messes with your head. You're good enough, but you're also not good enough at the same time. My point is though, writers go in and they learn the characters. Writers can write for just about anything. It's if they don't know the wrestling business, who cares? There, when I was interviewing for WWE, it was a 50-50 proposition. They were either hiring the super fans 
or they're hiring people who knew nothing about the industry. And we were coached by a few of us who were applying out here in LA. We're coached by ex WWE employees. And they're like, look, this is the deal. It's going to be a crapshoot whether or not they want a wrestling fan or they're looking for just people who know nothing about wrestling but know about television. So you got to pick a lane and you got to go with it. I didn't pick the right lane necessarily. Um, <laughs> I kind of half halfed it because it's like, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm just not a wrestling fan of your product. Um, <laughs> although You, you got, you got a knack for finding the middle lane that nobody wants, Hawkins. No, I do. Apparently Michael Hayes liked me though. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I had a friend who got the gig, did the three months quit, which surprised everybody. Cause they loved him. You know, he's a guy who traveled to WrestleMania every year. He loved that, that type of thing. And yeah, those people can succeed. People who love the WWE can succeed, but people who are critical of the WWE or who are just good writers or who have talent at writing characters and fulfilling that, even though it's all on the showrunner who's a knucklehead at times in terms of what he likes and what he doesn't like in terms of dialogue. You can write for wrestlers and not know a damn thing about wrestling and be very, very good at it. I want to settle I mean, like, everybody's teeth on that. About th- this is, this is not a complicated television show right now. <laughs> there is oh, no, there's no, the depth and the symbolism, Chris, that that. WWE yeah. Like, there is no depth and no story. symbolism. So like when, like when I'm seeing these fans, Getting outraged. I'm like, it is not like... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. She is coming in and screwing up the NWO invasion angle in 96, right? Like, like something that we know has like an eight, like an eight-month, nine-month arc, and this fly-by-night person's like, I don't know who Honk Hogan is. Um, like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... This, this, these stories are fungible stories. Like the Roman Reigns story is very not deep. Roman is a bad guy who has a bad manager. He goes by the tribal chief. He's got two cousins who he, who he screws with their heads on a week to week basis. You can spend about two hours and know everything you need to know to write that storyline for the next six months. If you spent two hours, it might be a long time. Um, but maybe you need to watch a couple of the matches, you know, like I'm saying, if you never heard of Roman Reigns from ever before, you need to see Superman punch. You need to see spear. You need to see who the Usos were. Uso penitentiary, this iteration, like you don't even really need that stuff. So the idea that, uh, her name's Kenise Parker, right? Um, like the Kenise idea Mobley. that Mobley, um, the, the, the idea that Kenise Mobley would need, I mean, this was done nearly the day of, that she need more than two weeks to get up to speed to write cogent and coherent and digestible WWE product that the standard WWE fan, who, oh, by, by the way, you snobs, you don't exactly have, like, this refined palate, do you? You're, like, sitting here going, like, ah, oh, the old country buffet is not quite living up to my standards for mashed potatoes today. Um, it, <laughs> like, like, this is, like, this is... WWE we're talking about here people they have been phoning it in for the last I would say a year and a half but that's like sort of underselling it isn't it look at Shayna Baszler 
Lindsay Price married to Australian celebrity chef Curtis Stone. Oh, she's doing fine. I'm not going <laughs> to... But let, let's go back to your point. He knows Look, a thing it, or two about the mashed potatoes at the old country buffet. Well, hold on. Uh, yeah, oh, my goodness. What is it about celebrity chefs? Um, Gail Kim. Uh, anyways... Uh, Look, this 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 fiend Alexa Bliss storyline ain't breaking bad. It ain't, it ain't, you know, ooh, it's going to pay off me by paying attention to certain details. And when the twist comes, oh, I'm going to be surprised by that subtlety. Look, wrestling for decades. Let me finish this point. Wrestling for decades was character driven by men's facial hair. And they were growing the goatee to turn heel. Okay, we're not talking the Sopranos or the Wire or breaking. It could be that if people if if people wanted to take care and time concern, and I'm sure there are writers at WWE who would love to have more depth in their stories, who would love to be able to do interesting dialogue and interaction that involved personalities and had actual this is pathos. this is what made lucha underground fun right like they, there was potential and it was being explored at various points of doing deeper and more nuanced characterization it's what made dario cueto one of the most compelling wrestling characters in the last decade is that he was like layered and complex you had a wrestler turn into a rocket ship let's hold on <laughs> Okay, so one, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> one bad storyline is not necessarily a reflection of the overall, <laughs> no. uh, yeah, yeah, like, like and, and some, of you, some of you all don't like the time traveling Aerostar thing, I've always been very neutral <laughs> on it, I, I don't, I don't think they ever, I don't think they had an idea of where it was going, but I, I didn't necessarily, like, in their universe, I didn't necessarily hate that, Jeff, it was a comic book. And for all the people who say that I'm obsessed with wrestling being a real UFC fight, remember oh, that oh, I, no. no, no, I'm sorry. Like, like, cause I get that. I get these crap one, criticism. One comment on the YouTube. One comment not, on the it, YouTube, by the that's way. Not the, that's not the first time though. No, no, that's not the then first please time. But like, I spent please continue years. your rant. Continue. Your I rant. want my sweat equity rewarded Hawkins. I want, I, it will never be by these ingrates, but it ought to be. No, I wanted you to continue your Otherwise rules. U U U U UFC style wrestling and your purity on sports. Oh, I really I, I, I say that a Hurricane Rana doesn't belong in an octagon, and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, old man purist here. Old man Hawkins coming in. Uh, <laughs> fake fighting, talking smack. That's all I want. Um, yeah, I just, it, it's... <laughs> Look, we want pathos and emotion in our wrestling and in our matches and even in our stories. But it's it's just going to be, we have to get to the chopper. Otherwise, we're going to let it, you know, the expositional stuff. But I'm not going to fault the writers for that ever. That's not their fault. It's the No, no, no. That's a vision. That's a vision of the show, right? Like, like Vince yes. has a, the showrunner has a vision for the type of universe that he is writing. Um, and the writers aren't in control of that. The writers don't have contracts such where they actually have control of the Intercontinental title for nine months. I think, you know, maybe it'd be a better company if you, like, you you was, you was came in, you negotiated that, like, you're going to be the writer for this title, and for nine months, the program, we call it programs, like, essentially a season of a belt will be programmed by one writer who will have a consistent beginning, middle, and end, and as we get to the end, if we want to transition away from that writer, we 
can discuss what that transition period looks like and we all have a sense of what that period and that time window is um wwe doesn't do that but like that's the issue uh it's a vision thing it's an organizational thing it's an execution thing and i don't lay that at the writers um like what wwe says is hey you today you're writing for alistair black who may or may not be here in a few weeks um go and write some copy for them um, and there's no guarantee to that writer that they're even going to be writing on Alistair Black here in three weeks from now. Um, so they and go there's in no guidance they... on what he wants, on what they want from the Alistair Black character either. There's no vision of that. It's like, give me some ideas. And if we don't like him, you know, you've set the business back 20 years and he's not going to be on TV for six months. Right, right, exactly. And so, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how a writer would succeed. So, like, I, I mean, beyond, that's why we start with the non-disclosure thing beyond the non-disclosure thing and the fact that you violated that and that seems fairly open and shut to me everything else here is just utterly unobjectionable and those are the reasons that she was terminated i would be very very um beyond the pale but in this case it seems like a a kind of a mistake involving violating a non-disclosure agreement and like that was dumb and she shouldn't have done that and and i i would i can imagine being an employer having just had a someone i hired sign a non-disclosure agreement and they violate it maybe i would pull them aside and go hey this is your one warning on this um but i certainly would be watching them like a hawk from there on out because it tells me that their instincts for what is and isn't within the purview of this non-disclosure agreement are suspect and that i need to be monitoring them so we've gone about what an hour now let's do we want to do a little bit of a round oh, of on, on just, just like one there? story <laughs> on two stories on two stories on the cuts and on this so no 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 uh, let's let's do some like actual wrestling we can talk about let's, some let's do some actual wrestling we'll get some let's do some ice cold takes on money in the bank and just kind of go around the wwe a little bit after that uh if, if you think that uh if you think bad storytelling is is just singular on the main brand it permeated through all the brands this week including our beloved nxt uk there was just some dumb stuff but let's do ice cold takes on hell in the cell really for me a one match card in terms of perfect in terms of doing really well in both the ring and the booking and that was the opener bailey versus bianca belair you guys know I'm 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 fond of Bailey as a performer. Aunt Pam is fantastic. Of the horsewomen, look, Sasha's gonna have the bigger moments and the bigger matches. Becky was a bigger star because of the push of the man. Charlotte's always gonna be over pushed, even though I don't think she connects with the audience at all with her character at all. And I think her I think her title reigns are sort of a joke, to be honest with you, just to match her old man. Bailey is the foundation of the horsewomen. Bailey is the foundation of the women's division. And Bailey made Bianca Belair look like a million damn dollars. There were callbacks to the Hell in the Cell from last year with the kendo sticks. She took a lot of damage for Bianca Belair. Bianca took some damage of her own. It was physical. Bailey did the, the Weasley, you know, cocky heel when she's in charge, weasel when she's not. To perfection, I thought, including trying to escape from the cage, which I found ridiculous. But I loved this match. I, I loved this match a lot. I think it might have even been better than the Sasha match in many ways. Rest of this card was just overthinking the finishes. 
instead of giving you a clean finish, we had a roll up in a hell in a cell between which was a physical match between Drew and Bobby Lashley. That was big men doing bad things to each other. And I was loving it until until MVP gets stuck in the cage. Roll up one, two, three. And I'm supposed to give a crap if Drew never gets a title shot. Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler. (laughs) And the voodoo. (laughs) And uh, oh, my God, that uh, bad. Just stop. Everybody looks stupid in this, even if I find Alexa Bliss to be a pretty good actress with bad material. Sammy and Kevin, again, work each other. Great. Get a little snug in there sometimes. (laughs) Hitting Sammy in the mouth and Sammy gave receipts. Dumb finish, in my opinion. Which one am I? Oh, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, where she gets DQ'd. For the, or was this Raw? Was it Raw where she got DQ'd for the act of lifting up the table, or was it Hell in a Cell, Chris? Remind me. It, it was this one. It was this one. It was this one? Okay. <laughs> We've now made Rhea Ripley completely unlikable. As a baby face, because she did what Charlotte would have done. Charlotte looks inept. The 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 referee looks inept because blaming yourself with the bad person makes absolutely no psychological sense. I I will makes also no s- yeah it makes none. I will I will relinquish the floor to you in a moment. But I want to finish this in a in a company where they are clearing that table always to throw people onto it. She gets accidentally hit with the bumper. Ding, 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 DQ. Oh, F off with that. I will not cuss on this no, show. You, you know, no, the story here, Hawkins, should have been with that spot sure. is Rhea, Rhea Ripley is upset with Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville that there is very clearly a two-track system for Charlotte Flair that doesn't apply to her and that she's being quietly screwed over by management, which still comes off a little bit as, as a little bit petulant. And you have to be very careful in threading that needle. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you need to actually show that there's an iniquity in the system um, and, and heighten that and, and slow, uh, maybe start here and keep building that iniquity. Um, that Charlotte's getting longer 10 counts on the outside of the ring than Rhea Ripley. Have a match where, like, one, two, and then Charlotte's outside's one, two. And, and commentary's <laughs> like, yeah, hey, wait a second. Why is Charlotte and, and have getting... It be, and have it be Charles Robinson, be the ref. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, but like that would be that would be the way to go with that. Um, real quickly to do yeah. my my quick recap on the card. I agree with you. Um, I thought Bailey and Sasha was pretty damn good. Um, I I mean, ba- look, uh, Bailey, Bianca, Bailey. And yes, Bianca. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bailey and Bianca, Bailey and Bianca, and I I'd actually argue I thought it was a little bit better than Sasha. I thought that, um, yeah, Bailey learned Bailey learned from some of the things that didn't work in the Sasha match and made a better match this time around. Um, and Bianca for on short part. notice, on short notice with two days. Yeah, I mean that yeah. thing. I mean. It, We'll talk maybe a little bit about cell matches on both Friday and Monday, but yes, please continue. Oh no, I, I thought that was that heinous. Um, I mean they've completely ruined this concept. Um, Rollins and Cesaro was fine, uh, fine. 
Uh, I mean, good spots, well worked. Like I just like small nothing... package, small right. package to right. end this feud. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, no, not to end this feud, to continue this feud. So it's a kind of a predictable outcome. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't really care about Cesaro and Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman really hit home why you shouldn't care about Cesaro here on Friday with that promo. Um, mm-hmm. Zayn and Owens, I, I liked um, Owens with the lingering injury. I thought that that was kind of like a fun way of putting owens the baby face the larger baby face in peril sammy Zayn is taking advantage of a situation owens if if things were even would have the upper hand but Zayn's kind of being the opportunist here i like the story look i think it you know i mean i like watching these guys work dumb finish um rhea ripley and charlotte flair i feel like we've said it all i like i just do not care about rhea ripley in this role and i'm with you on charlotte flair as time goes on it's like Charlotte Flair's never had a really great title run, at least not over the last six runs. Um, she's held the belt like six times now, and none of them have been memorable. Um, six times like since the last time it was actually relevant. Let me posit something to you because uh, BOC, Brian O'Connell, has been a guest on the show. Uh, we, we had this discussion, and I, I feel mostly Charlotte's, Charlotte's issue isn't that she isn't talented. And that she can't work a good match, she can't do a great match. It's that on promos and character development, she has never been anything more than what she is right now. Nope. And I gave the theory, that because he asked, who is this generation's Lex Luger? The person with all the gifts but never really put it all together. And I say, despite the title reigns, I think it's Charlotte Flair. I think Charlotte Flair has never put it all together to... She's never been to me loved by the fans or even respected by the fans. And maybe that's more on the fans than her, but because she's always, she's always a flair. She's always, I was born for this over push. And and, and like the, the character is also reflective of reality. Like Charlotte flair was sort of forced in the same way that Roman reigns was sort of forced in the last decade, rather than letting people kind of come to them, um, mm-hmm. I guess uh, they sort of forced the issue. Like when people wanted to see Bailey and when people wanted to see Sasha, they were getting a lot of Charlotte Flair, which creates a lot of resentment. And, and the thing is with like those vibes is they stick with people and you, you have a hard time actually backtracking why you have that vibe about a person, um, but they just hang there. Like, you, you have this thing, like, I don't like Charlotte, and you don't really know why, but then if you think back and you were a big Sasha fan or a big Bailey fan, and you had Charlotte Flair standing in the way of your favorite talent actually getting a better spot on the card for a while, it keeps you from really embracing Charlotte Flair. But I'm with you, dude. I think a big part of this is that Flair has Charlotte Flair has never done what her father was so good at, which is like really find a talking. character to settle in and talking. Yeah, and in this sense, she's very Lex Lugery. And it, and it's not her fault. It is she's more talented than Lex Luger ever was in the ring. Let's, let's it, it, that ironically, too. named the total package Lex Luger because he yes. he had several deficits. Yes, uh, this is not Charlotte's fault. It, it isn't. She's not given the chance to show her personality. And I've said this before on this show. You watch that Stone Cold Steve Austin show on USA that they do where they go around and they do wacky crap with each other. She is the most funny, self-deprecating, engaging person that was on that show, I thought. She is fantastic. I think, I think she could do great work. I think they don't allow her to do great work. 
But then she's also just like, say, like, hey, we want to see Becky and Rhonda. Oh, we got to add Charlotte Flair in there as a third person. Uh, nobody wants that. Nobody wants. And so it comes back on her as a negative on her when it really should be about the company. So let me get that out of the way before anybody says, well, Jeff doesn't like Charlotte Flair. It's not that. It's not that. It's just well, Jeff her positioning. Well, like Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Chris thinks that all wrestling should be serious and ring control. And stuff. Ring control. Uh, got to control the center of the ring. Uh, but on the most part, it's one of those things where, uh, where it's just, it's just overexposed and lack of character development. It's not on her, but, uh, yeah, I, I, as we get into the regular shows, there were two thoughts I had mostly on, on both one covers, both shows, one kind of covers, both shows, you are correct. They have killed this Hell in a Cell gimmick with nobody in their right mind. And as much as I enjoyed the match and the brutality, thought Austin Creed or Austin Creed, uh, Xavier Woods, Xavier Woods or Rey Mysterio, same story, basically. Or Rey Mysterio, we're going to have a shot in hell of beating the guy that they go in with. Wasn't really a big, bad feud. I thought, I thought Woods had a decent promo to try and build it. But I think he should have been a little bit more, hey, you know what? Everybody likes Kofi. Everybody liked Big E. You know what? I'm a badass, too. And I'm going to take it to you, Bobby Lashley. And Tonight, you're going to see ass. why you should love yes. me. Yes. I think there should have been a little bit more of not just he's, he's playing the in, intelligent, yeah, you guys overlook me type of thing with a little bit of a sneer. I think it should have been more insulted, that, you know, kind of thing. It's like, hey. I can kick your ass too. And they should have told that story a little bit more. I think, I think they should have given, I think they should actually should have given woods a lot more than they did, but they wanted to do the blood sport slash action movie. I'm killing your friend in front of you. And if he dies, he dies. And I think, I think Kofi did a poor job of selling that too. I think Kofi did a terrible job of selling the Lashley's killing my friend right now and trying to get in that ring to stop it type of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there are three really important beats in this story, and I felt like all of them were sort of lacking. So the first thing, mm -hmm. if we're going to do the blood sport, I'm killing your friend sort of story. Um, the first thing is that when Woods gets into the ring, we we need to be flying high. And, and they did on that. I'd give them like a B on. But like I want Woods to come in right away and basically have Bobby Lashley scared. Like, like Lashley needs to be in there like, ha-ha, I'm about to kick your friend's ass, ha-ha, and like looking and making fun of Kofi. All of a sudden from behind with Kendo stick, here comes Xavier Woods, and that's the beginning of the match. Or the um, trombone, the plastic trombone. Yes, that, yes. The, 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 and that the just gets broken yeah. over, over Lashley's head, and you see him like, you like look loopy and fall to the ground, and we get like our first two mm -hmm. and a half count right there. And from then yes. on out, me as the viewer and Kofi channeling me as the viewer needs to be like banging on the cage like yes come on get it win the title like just completely invested in it and then we have the big moment where where Lashley takes control over Woods and the first time we're like we see it on Kofi's face and Kofi's like oh no oh no 
Woods gets his hope spot. It looks like maybe he's going to turn the corner again. And then we see Lashley really start breaking down Woods. And then we go to the passion of the Xavier. Um, and at that point, we, we cut to Kofi watching his friend in there getting the Apollo Creed job. Um, and, and Kofi is dying on the inside. He's like near tears on his face as he's watching his friend. And Woods is like trying to like calm him down and go like, don't worry about it. Don't worry. I'm, I'm here to win. And, and like, that's when you have Lashley come in like the predatory beast and just like consume and finish off Xavier Woods. Like it, it needs to be brutal if you're gonna tell that story. I want I want Xavier bleeding. I want I want after the ho- the the little don't worry about this, Kofi. I got this. I want when he has what what's he call his uh what what does he call his full Nelson? The uh I, I forgot the hurt what he lock. Calls it. The hurt lock. The hurt lock. When he has the hurt lock on. I want Xavier Woods bleeding, having his face rubbed against the cage, kind of weakly. Kofi crying out for help. That's what I want. I want. I want. And and and, and Kofi just panicking and not knowing what to do and trying to He's get into trying that to cage. climb the cage. Yeah, have Kofi like yes. climbing the cage and like, I mean, yes. I I want to see him really losing it, his mind. Here, here's the overall point. If you're going to tell me this story, I want you people to take it seriously and tell me this story and get me involved in it as opposed to half-assing it. This and is you half-assing have to, it. And you have to tell this story because I do not believe, nor should anyone who is a regular watcher of WWE television, that Xavier Woods is on the cusp of his first world title win. Um, that, that isn't the story, and, and even the savvy veteran child wrestler viewing um, like they know that Woods isn't winning the title tonight. So like what it, it, they know it in the back of their head, they're not necessarily going to say it out loud, but like if their dad asks them, well, who do you think is going to win? They're probably going to go, well, I want Xavier Woods, Woods to win, but I think Lash is going to. So we need to let that kid have this moment of like, oh my God, what if Xavier Woods wins? Like, like let the mind were and then break their heart. Um, and like, then we need crying children. We need crying children in this audience. That's what I, I want. I want broken hearts. I broken hearts yes. are important along the way here, so that when when the good thing happens, it, it means something. You have to have loss to have gain. Lindsay Price's uh, resume is impressive, and how she just went from show to show. Uh, anyways, <laughs> are you? Do you want to review a Fugazi album while we're here? Well, no, no, no. Well, okay. This is my Fugazi. Lindsay Price is my Fugazi. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, across, look, there's plenty of stuff that you can complain about. Edge is back. Hey, hide your wives. It's Edge. Um, <laughs> a little Paul Heyman callback there. Uh, it's about the women and money in the bank. And this annoys me. The women in this company who I have great respect for, especially, especially with what a lech of a boss they sometimes have and the already tall hill that they have to climb in terms of certain things and positions that they are put in and CM Punk chants and, and, and the like, all they really want is this money in the bank and every type of match like this, a Royal Rumble, whatever, to be seen on par as important as the men. They want their matches to be... When they say they want to be just like the men, it doesn't mean stupid storylines with voodoo and stuff like that, the bad stuff that WWE puts in here. It means as athletes, they want to be respected like this. 
So what do we get in terms of qualifying for their money in the bank? We get tag matches with Nikki Price as a butterfly, Asuka, who just, look, y'all know I love me some Asuka. I am convinced they could pay her in Chuck E. Cheese tickets and she'd be still having the time of her life. She just goes out and dances and seems like she's having the time of her life every week. And then the Eva Marie and Dow drop. <laughs> I, I like to call her Doe Duo, uh, being Do -duo. a Pokemon fan Do back in drop. the day. We are already, they can't coexist. We're at that stage on week two of this program, Chris. I, I mean, this program, I this feels a little <laughs> bit of a scared of their shadow thing, like that they, yes. did, they did the first week, they got some feedback that made them a little antsy-wantsy, and so they decided that we needed to go ahead and make the Piper Niven character more strong, but there's still, I mean, the lingering issues that commentary refers to this character as Dewdrop when it's already been established inside of the WWE Raw narrative universe that this character calls herself Piper Niven and that Dewdrop has been assigned to her as a name, has been assigned to Piper Niven as a name by Eva Marie. Like, that is the story here. Commentary, thusly, should be going, well, she's Piper Niven, but Eva Marie's been calling her Dewdrop, um, or something to that effect. There's there's just a lot of stuff that doesn't work here. And and Dewdrop, I love her partner, her partner on the crawl. We haven't even feel the name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, uh, and then Dewdrop doing what she did to Eva Marie. Like, I, the problem with the, the booking of that match, like the, the booking of those beats is Eva Marie at this point should not be able to contain her disdain for Dewdrop because, like, she, the, the veneer of her being able to tolerate Dewdrop was already crumbling on week one. So, like, when Dewdrop stabs her in the back and embarrasses Eva like, this really should be the end of it. Like, at this point, Eva Marie should be getting another person to come in and beat up Dewdrop on the next episode of Monday Night Raw that I cannot wait to watch on Monday. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a call here. Uh, number one, I hate the Nikki Cross superhero character. It she found of... butterflies on her inside, and she's uh, exploring the colors in her soul. This is Molly Holly 2.0, where they try and convince us this is good, and she's a legend, and all these other things after after she becomes endearing. This will probably get over, I think. I don't know. Uh, we, we will see, but, man, I really, you know, especially the but Killian Dane my... cut, I'd be worried about, yeah, uh, yeah the, I think this is a character that, you know, they go, oh, she's on TV right now. This is a character that can 100% be cut next month. Here's my prediction. Piper Niven becomes her sidekick within three months. Becomes the Rosie to her hurricane. That's yep. my prediction. Especially with the accents. It makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. I think they're both Scottish. I think they are both. <laughs> they, they are both Scottish. Okay. No, I, I mean, it, like, look, um, here's the thing. In a different company or whatever, you go, oh, this makes perfect sense as a tag team. You have, like, the big one. You have the smaller one. You can, you know, I mean, like, they can actually work as a baby face or as a heel tag team. Um, like, like this is actually a very talented duo if put together. It's just WWE does not look at Dewdrop, Piper Niven, nor do they look at um Nikki Cross as the type of people mm -hmm. that you and I look at Nikki Cross and Piper Niven as. Because like Nikki Cross's intensity, I absolutely one hundred percent love, and I like I think she's tragically miscast in this feel good 
role when what she does best is crazy. That's all I want to talk about on the main roster. Did you have anything that you want to bring up real quick? Um, no, I, I mean, SmackDown, we continue to get Roman Reigns as Robert De Niro and, uh, it's, it's fine. Um, general as is, is, uh, generally <laughs> as he is, um, you got Liv a little Morgan general is, as is going, you got the green jacket on. You can be general. Yeah. It, well, he's a commander. I'm actually a general. Um, yeah, it, it, there's, there's different tierings. Um, Jimmy Uso and Dolph Ziggler was kind of an interesting match. Um, it was like, yeah, I, 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 that zigzag, Onto the stairs is a fun spot. I don't know that I would want to take that. I feel like that's not necessarily particularly the safest move in the world. Yeah, uh, but okay. I, you know what? I forgot the second part of my point about the women. And then on SmackDown, we have them basically deigning money in the bank shots, the women there. Like Car- Sonya Deville comes out and announces Carmella, who, as you might recall, was a money in the bank winner because of James Ellsworth. On that first one, well, and then really they memory elevated. hold that they, they they memory hold that because they knew that that was embarrassing at the time. Like like go, yeah. really, the money in the bank thing feeds perfectly into your all the women want is for their lane to be treated with the same level of seriousness and gravitas as the men's lane. Like like this is not equality in this case is not some sort of like form of like let's make up for the last 30 years of ridiculous female presentations in this case it is literally could you just maybe just maybe present us with the same level of seriousness that you try to present your main event angles with like bobby lashley drew mcintyre roman reigns could we maybe get roman reigns levels of seriousness in our stuff and the answer repeatedly is no no, not so much let's do a couple of quick things in the nxt universe then uh nxt uk uh, I will not. I have turned the corner on Gallus. I like Gallus a lot. I think they carried this show this week. I agree. Uh, I will not take slander from either Joe Lanza or Andrew Rich about the Gallus theme because I find it catchy. Uh, I, the, if they want to go hostile on the bucket hats, I'm with them. I, I like bucket yes. hats stink. Uh, I mean, all I see is the new radicals every time they put on that bucket hat. And I'm just like, don't give up. You got a reason to live. <laughs> every time I see Wolfgang, it's, it's too much for me. You only get what you give. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, but beyond yeah, that, and then, and then threaten the, to the kick people's asses at the end of the, the song. The skull has a bucket hat, Jeff. Like, it's a terrible logo. Like, it, it is... It's brutal, but but the the here's, actual Gallus faction is great. Here's what won me over uh, this week by them. I thought the I thought the matches they were in were great. It was that little interplay after Mark Coffey's match when Joe Coffey's getting set up, and they just come in. They're they're, they're they got their little they got their little back and forth, but they get to Joe and Joe's focused on this match and they shut up. And they let him be, and they just say good luck to you, and they walk off. And it was just as simple as that, and it was friggin' cool. I thought I, I really liked this. I liked the three way, uh, and of course Walter's the best champion in this terrible company right now. Um, this I like the best program in this terrible company right now. Even yes, even on a yes. bad episode, like I mean, like look, uh, I've, I've everything completely. That's by in- the way, I've completely turned on Rampage Brown. I like him now. I didn't yeah, like no, him before. I yeah, like yeah, him no, I, I I like him. I liked Ilya. I liked this main event with Joe Coffey. Like like these are just three big guys. I mean, even this opening match, like Shaw Samuels is not a guy I'm like in love with or anything like that. But like 
I thought that for for what it was, the Mark Coffey versus Shaw Samuels was a perfectly fine opening match uh, that that like filled its role perfectly. You know, and also it's just that uh, it seems that Mark Coffey would be the kind of guy to try and pick a fight with Shaw Samuels, even though they're both heels. Like like the whole imitate. Are you imitating me? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> kind of interplay. I, I laughed at. Shaw Samuels ran as a part of the Labor Party for a for an office. That uh, old Nigel putting in <laughs> putting in the weird things. Um, yeah, that was yeah, that was interesting. I was like, really? Huh? Cool. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, the Tories. Let's represent them. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> coming up next week, a discussion on Margaret Thatcher, where Chris and Jeff come to blows. Uh, <laughs> uh, we we had. I liked, I liked the Jack Stars video a lot. Um, I thought I thought it built him up really well. I wanted a little bit more out of him. I think in this, it's kind of like, hey, they say Tyler Bates the best in the world. I didn't want the well. I used to doubt myself. I was, hey, I'm one of the best too, and kind of have a little bit of a little bit more self respect. Then just, oh shucks, I'm I'm the guy who everybody thinks is a loser, and I had all these tryouts. And I, you know, you can tell that story, but I want a little bit more. Hey, I deserve this. I should be here, and it, and they got to it at the end. It, it was fine. I liked it. And a kids promo I thought was pretty good too uh, about Jordan Devlin. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, look, uh, I'm really excited about the Jack Stars Tyler Bate match because I think it's just going to be a real. I mean, I'm not expecting Jack Stars to win the cup here or anything like that, but I'm just no. really excited to see. I'm excited to see the story that they tell. I know that Bate will take care of Stars and make sure that Stars gets enough offense to like do what he needs to do. And like, I, I mean, this is just going to be a really fun classic story. Uh, I really look forward to it, and I agree with you on the Devlin and A Kid promo as well. And now for the piss poor, <laughs> and unfortunately, it's all women, all the time. Yeah, the promo is bad, and then the match was yeah, is interesting. We'll get into that too. Well, oh man, there was a women's match on here. Yeah, yeah, it was Laura Di Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah, that's yeah, right, Stevie that's Turner. right. Okay, okay, yeah. Steve, <laughs> get to Stevie Turner in a moment. Get to uh, Stevie Turner. Uh, Isla Dawn is back to doing witchcraft in the back. Lights going off. I just love the looking at her and going, yeah, you annoy me <laughs> just leaving, but this is cringe. This is uh, and then dumb. shooting the rest of the see. freaking promo with the lights off was so yes. good. I mean, I was so distracted from the Mila Schmidt Ginny interaction by the fact oh. that these lights were just out because, like, Did like you have that happen. The lights be out for that one. Look, that was that was done. So must be time to go. Although I liked Ginny because Ginny's awesome in this, but Ginny's thing, I don't care about you. Shut up. And just kind of leaving. But just lights go out. Aofi Valkyrie, or Eva Valkyrie. I always call her Aofi because that's how their words are. Eva Valkyrie running into the match to do training when the lights are off. That just looked stupid to me. Yeah. Like then the Mila Schmidt and Ginny interaction. Okay. Some of it was good. Like I like Mila Schmidt going like, I want, you know, Russell, Eva Valkyrie. Okay. That makes sense. Why Eva Valkyrie suddenly running into the ring when the lights are out makes no sense at all. <laughs> Ginny's reaction for what it's worth is this nice little nuance thing where it was like, she's not saying, Hey, I want to wrestle you or anything like that. But she's just like, I don't like you. I'm and establishing that she's a dick character. Um, and I like, don't that. look at me. 
<laughs> Don't look at me, baby pop. I just yeah, no, just that's, that's good heel it. characterization. Yeah. Okay, then we get this contract with Blair Davenport. What is going on in both NXTs between this and the the kid? Both kids who who wrestled Adam Cole in some and lost in, in the two two weeks, where it's just these vanilla ass names. That are just, it, it's almost like they've overcorrected, whereas they were using the Star Wars name generator for like Eli Cottonwood and, and things like that. Now it's just, you know, uh, John Adams <laughs> kind of thing. And they're, and they're waiting for the hook to come in, you know, Ashton Smith, Oliver Carter. It's like there's nothing flashy about these names at all. The gimmicks are kind of, and, They're replaceable and, names, and when you give replaceable yes. names, you have replaceable people. Um, you know, here's the thing: uh, it's why Vince was not able to turn Vader into the Mastodon. Um, like, like you can't. Some of these names, the Undertaker has to be the Undertaker, right? Like, you know, um, the, the, you, hold on, no, no, the Undertaker, Bob Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, if you, no, but to get, the point, if you change the Undertaker to Gravedigger, it's not the same gimmick anymore. I pitched a Gravedigger gimmick and with the monster truck thing. I think I wanted Terry Gordy to be it at the time, but this is back in the late 90s. Uh, <laughs> in my fantasy wrestling federation or something like that. I don't know where I pitched my pitch. I did pitch Gravedigger. Uh, oh, yeah, no, it was a, it was an extraordinarily popular monster truck in the, in the 90s, yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah, and then we get... Stevie Turner's doing the new breed gimmick. If she says she's from Megatron, the planet Megatron. I, I, and, I read and this, President this is like du a Kenny on, Omega. Me, oh, I wanted to finish this bad joke. And that President Dusty Rhodes is in charge of the year 2052 or whatever. I will pop like mad. But yes, futuristic Stevie Turner coming out here. Doing like a very Mega Man Kenny Omega sort of gimmick, yes. like, like there, there. I mean, she was doing a lot of the Mega Man blastery stuff here, and then she proceeds to have this match with Laura Di Matteo, where Laura Di Matteo gets a lot of offense, and more importantly, a, a lot. lot of sympathies, a lot, and a lot of sympathy mm -hmm. spots. And like, I mean, even mm -hmm. at the end of the match, it was like a bit of a tragedy that like she couldn't do it, and, and for Stevie Turner, for her part. Was, this was not a quality exhibition of her offense, um, nor was it a quality exhibition of like her match style or match cadence because we spent so much time building up Laura DiMatteo. Uh, I, I, I was just dumbfounded when they had Matteo fighting out of submission holds and things like this. Like, if you're establishing Dancy, and Stevie Turner as your new like baby face or new heel kicks, a little bit crazy, a little bit of it intensity i don't know i think she maybe miscast as a heel that's my own thought here um but but if, if you're doing that then she needs to just be dominating um once she starts hitting the kicks on the outside and like toying with it it needs to be toying um it needs to be this is a ragdoll human being that i'm just cruelly mangling around versus someone who's constantly creating resistance um and building up and we almost want to think i mean they give her a near fall hope spot to count at the end of this match absolutely should not have been happening um if you want to build up laura di matteo build up laura di matteo if you're trying to establish stevie uh turner as your new like mid-level heel maybe on an upswing to going into a title match against like 
like Mako Satamora or something like that, then you need to have Stevie Turner come out and have a much more dominant debut than she had here. Agreed. Going over to the stateside NXT, I want to start with a point I meant to make last week and I didn't. I like Samoa Joe a lot. Don't get me wrong. Having him as an overpowering non-player character who can who can choke out one of your most one of your brand's biggest champions ever in a flash. I he's a non-player character, Chris. He's an enforcer for William Regal. I understand his presence is kind of important as that, but there's such a thing as being too powerful on the show where you just look at everybody else and go, everybody's a geek on this show other than Joe. I want to see Joe fight, and I don't think Joe's going back full-time. I worry about the way they're booking him right now, especially in the climate of cutting and cutting and cutting. That like Now, granted, Joe is guy was cut and then brought back because he was cut without people necessarily knowing that Joe was cut. So like, I think he's fine, but I worry about having Joe having all these like antagonist interactions with people and not being able to pay off uh, at some point those antagonist interactions. Now I, I like him as a red herring for the new general manager, whoever the new general manager is ultimately going to be. Um, I don't think it will be Joe, and I like the idea of Joe eventually getting back in the ring and having in a match with Karrion Cross. I think Joe would provide some stability on this NXT roster that this NXT roster sorely needs right now. He can't be like your perma champion, but he can be someone who can sort of anchor the heavyweight division and the tag division and like be a stabilizing force. Uh, but I don't like right now how much talking versus walking he is doing, um, especially this early on in his tenure. If you want to have Joe coming out and making matches and maybe having one antagonizing interaction a week, that's fine. Or having one person that he's having antagonizing interactions with Pete Dunne seems to be a really good foil for this. Um, that's fine. Have him constantly pushing the buttons of Oni Lorcan and constantly pushing the buttons of, of Pete Dunne. They actually seem to be kind of perfectly wired for this, right? Like these are guys who are tough guys who fancy themselves tough guys. And then there's Joe who they sort of secretly acknowledge is a tough guy and they're kind of secretly respectful of, but also don't like because they're heels and he's a baby face and he's management. I was looking up Lindsay Price jokes, but I decided not to do them. Uh, yeah. Uh, is, there, is there a web page on Lindsay Price? There are no Fugazi jokes there, because Fugazi is the there's, most there's, real band ever. <laughs> there's a Wikipedia page. I'm like, who remembers the American version of coupling? Yep, she was on that too. Lasted two months. Um, <laughs> so we get the return of Adam Cole uh, in terms of that fight with, with Kyle after we had the Kyle Riley, uh, Kushida match. We had that, the return of Roderick strong. I meant diamond mind him, Tyler rust Hideki Suzuki as a coach. I believe, I believe he's going to be a player coach of some sort. He's just a presence and Malcolm Bivens. This is an interesting little stable. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to, it's a wait and see before I want to see how serious that they're doing it with, with Malcolm Bivens. And if they're going to play that for more laughs or not, because they seem to have made Tyler rust, a, a joke character. But speaking of which number one contender for your NXT title, it looks like is one member of the way one John Gargano who <laughs> I don't, this is heel on heel crime. It's the badass beating up the comedy guy. 
are we looking at a Johnny Gargano face turn here or not? Or is this just going to, because you can't just turn the wave feud. face, right? I mean, like, no. I, I mean, I, I get, I guess you, okay. I say that, but I guess you could, because then you could bring in Dexter Loomis as like the weird fifth member because him, Indy and Dexter are now together and you could make them a baby face couple. And like Johnny and Candace are like, bad guys but they're funny bad guys that we kind of like and austin theory is this flake dude who like does sort of naturally like he's not really evil right he's a flake and he's stupid and he's being like manipulated so like is he really is he really evil or is he like a knucklehead um so i guess you could turn the way i don't know why you would turn the way um yeah. i it, yeah i i just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me and especially because the way um the tag team the female tag team right now is very much anchoring the heel side of the tag division. Uh, I don't see how you turn them. I, I mean, it's just a real head scratcher to have Gargano and Cross in this yeah. level of a depth of interaction. Especially if Gargano's not going to be a badass going in. Like, badass heel on badass heel crime, I'm here for. Badass heel versus knucklehead heel, I'm kind of here for, but knucklehead heel's going to die. Knucklehead Heel is the guy that he's the B villain who the the new badass villain that they've introduced in the comic books is going to kill to make it seem like a cool thing. And you would need to have a serious wrinkle to get like some intrigue around Gargano, not necessarily believe that he's going to win. But like right now, to your point, he's doing comedy stuff and, you know, fallen prey. We're supposed to, you know what? We laugh at it sometimes, but we're supposed to take it deadly seriously for as long as they're together, because, uh, not in the news, but I'll tell you this. Last week on main event, Karrion Cross versus Shelton Benjamin without Scarlett. Uh, thick boy, Bronson Reed, had a match on main event. And then this week, apparently at, at SmackDown, uh, Shotzi Blackheart and, yes, Scarlett Bordeaux having a dark match. They're looking at possibly breaking them up as an act, which is... I think it's death for both of them, to be honest. The with end you. is near. The end or Scar- is Or Scarlett's going to win the money in the bank. Or Scarlett's going to win the money in the bank because she's a hot blonde. I mean, you can see that coming. Uh, or or she'll <laughs> end up going through a table for eight weeks later on. Well, well, that's only if she opposes being broken up from her boyfriend. I don't know if husband. But yes, yes, Scarlett Bordeaux gets crushed by Nia Jax for eight weeks and then loses her job. It'll yeah, it'll be great. I I have nothing else on NXT. There's okay, there's some little hits here and there. Jake Atlas getting something to do. I'm kind of here for, but the way they wrote that in with the Mercedes Martinez, who is always welcome on my screen kind of odd kind of shoehorned in there a bit ah guess i'm part of it now no well, well wait a second atlas, let's see what mercedes has to like say about more, that atlas seems like a more natural fit to be friends like actual friends with zoe stark like if, yes. if you want if you want to establish like a good guy like one thing that i think nxt us has going for it uh, and the same way that nxt uk has going for it that like is fun is that with you've got gallus who I you know you said their heels they're right now they're basically operating as faces in this company uh for for NXT UK's purposes um and you have like Zoe Stark was created inside of the women's division a serious 
not push over even the heels respect her baby face who is always on the right side always doing the good thing um and i think jake atlas would actually be a real natural tag team partner for her um and, you know be, i would enjoy watching them work together as a tag team zoe and eo made me laugh though <laughs> i don't like you <laughs> just go out of here they're a team and they're fine and i'm cool with that i'm cool with you not liking your tag team partner but it doesn't become the can they coexist bs that we get a lot well yeah especially uh, when eo keeps saying i respect you like like literally the the only thing that dangles over the can they coexist thing is is their mutual respect and when you have the question mark person saying no i have mutual respect for you it removes all of the intrigue no one questions whether or not zoe stark likes eo shirai the question is does eo shirai like zoe stark and they're answering the mystery i think we're back to crazy eo which i'm fine with as well uh it looks like we're gonna port over jesse kamea who sort of shocked wasn't cut and Aaliyah, who is probably on her last leg from robert stone who continues to dress in women's clothing and it's ridiculous that jacket was absolutely ridiculous and a woman's yeah. jacket i'm positive of it uh and i'm i'm okay with that because i think frankie monet is more of a managerial type character to be honest with you rather than an in-ring performer this match was not as egregious as the laura di matteo match on nxt uk but i still thought <laughs> um i thought electra lopez got way too much feature here like she came out and had an entrance um had an entrance where she kind of stole the show from Frankie Monet because like Frankie Monet's whole yeah. thing is yeah Frankie Monet's whole thing is like she's fabulous and like she you know really pops off the camera and really pops off the screen and when you have Electra Lopez come out there and it, and, it, and her enhancement talent stuff and she's coming out there and still popping off your screen it sort of takes away from these and then like Electra Lopez had a decent amount of offense within this match which takes away from the Frankie Monet thing it was like a much in the same way that the Cora Jade uh, match pairing with um, M- Frankie Monet was a mistake. So I thought the same way with Electra Lopez. You're like, if you want Frankie Monet to be going over people, she needs to be going over. I mean, this is the the eighties mo- template, kind of weird looking people. Um, you know, ha- ha- you know, have her, have her. You know, no, no, because she's supposed to be the gorgeous special one. The and the, all. E- the every man needs to be an every yeah. woman type of person rather yeah. than someone who's popping off the screen with charisma. No, I I, I completely agree with you, and we'll end with this because Ever Rise rules. I think. Uh, yeah, I agree. They I agree. they made they, the they made, made, uh, <laughs> made uh, hit row tag team of Ashante Adonis and. Uh, is it top dollar? Uh, top dollar, yeah. Dollar, please. It's not dollar. Top dollar. dollar, yeah. Look great, I thought. They can't do this finisher on anybody else because you can't do a, a the the. It looks like a, a Dudley death drop for the most part from that high up. If you're Ashanti the Adonis, because you're gonna spike guys on their head. And their neck, and it's it, they need it, to find another finisher, I think. Yeah, so so like the the problem here, it, 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 it I mean, God, just that that fall from Ever Rise. I like, you can hear commentary gasp, I gasp as oh, I that didn't it. look good. <laughs> yes, like, uh, no, yeah. Bev, uh, and, and I, I would say one thing real quickly. Um, I have become I've come around on Beth Phoenix. Okay, I think Beth Phoenix is actually okay. Um, I think she's she's clearly grown into her role. She went from being someone who I was like, I kind of wish she wasn't here, to now Beth has a niche. 
I kind of enjoy her character. Like I think she's funny at times. Um, I enjoy Beth um, in a way that I did not enjoy Beth several years ago. And I, I just want to note that here. I, I've changed my mind on her a little bit. But um, you could just hear all of commentary very alarmed at watching the way that fall is because when top dollar does his powerbomb, he needs to work on his powerbomb technique. You got to make sure people are coming down flat backed. If you're going to powerbomb someone and and they're giving you trust of their body, you have to make sure that that you're protecting them on the way down. And then Ashanti, the Adonis just, I mean, it was sloppy coming in there for the cutter. And the whole point of the cutter is to cradle the neck on the way down. And and instead he was sort of dragging the head down. Um, And and it had uh, Matt Martell of ever rise in, in a very, very scary position. Um, Yeah. I I screamed at that. I just, I was like, yeah, you can't, you got look, these guys, they're they're a little green, so hey, we they need to they need to find another finisher because you, yeah. you got a guy's head and neck you got a guy's head and neck in your in You're your prote- control. You, you have to protect it. You have to you have protect, protect it. You, you yes. have to. Yeah. No, I, that's all I, that's all I, I got on that. It. No, but I, I felt very strongly about that. I that that look, uh, you know, it's I mean, we talk about like unprotected chair shots and some other things in wrestling that we all know better about now. But there are some more subtle things that don't draw blood that are every bit as dangerous as an unprotected chair shot, a stupid suicide dive. And when you are leaving your feet and you are trusting someone else with your neck, the, the, the people who are the caretaker of your neck have to protect it. No, I agree. Uh, so that's it for us. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Tell you when new episodes are up. If you want to watch what we're doing on video and watch Chris try and break me during Manscaped reads, uh, you can go to the Voices of Wrestling channel on YouTube. I'd like to thank Manscaped. 20% off plus free shipping with the code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S. Please just go buy one thing on the on the website let them know that you got it from us and uh, we'll continue to get uh, ginger ale money uh, in there. Uh, <laughs> Chris the ginger also ale does fever a, tree. Yes. The ginger ale was fever tree. Haven't sponsored us yet, but we'd love them to sponsor us right now. Uh, if you'd like to be so kind, please go to iTunes, give us five-star reviews since we haven't pushed that in almost five years on this show. So we can get into the, get into the thing of their search. Uh, <laughs> Rob used to push it a lot when Rob left, it kind of died. Uh, but anyways, uh, Chris will tell you about, don't worry about the government. No, there, there's some other things I've discovered. I'm woefully behind the times on. I just reached out with don't worry about the government to someone to do some SEO stuff. And he sent me back like the initial report is like, you have over 1500 broken links on the, don't worry about the government website, which like, you know, at 525 episodes, it makes sense. It's like maybe, you know, two or three a page, but it's like, Oh God. Wow. Oh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm woefully behind the times. Don't worry about the government can be found over at don'tworry.tv, an institution that's been running since the late days of the Bush administration, believe it or not. Um, You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher, on Spotify. I just did 75 minutes of a monologue episode on the new infrastructure bill and also going in in depth into the inanity of Kristen so if you'd like to hear me break down at length why Kristen cinema is wrong and dumb go and check out the newest episode of don't worry about the no don't squint hawk and she's just, she's a dope uh she's a big dope go and check out don't worry about the government at don't worry.tv on itunes on stitcher and spotify
Well, Chris, we're going to have one of two discussions after the show. Either it's going to be Lindsay Price or what you just plugged. But for more Lindsay Price talk, once again, at Craft Game 13, we'll see you next week. Cinema's a dope. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.